Navigating the Datascape with Chris Presley and special guests. Today we're going to recap some of the most interesting concepts from the recently completed Oracle Open World 2017. And to help us navigate this, I've invited Simon Payne back to the show. How are you doing, Simon? I'm doing really well. How are you, Chris? Very well. Glad to have thanks you back. For me back. Yeah, thanks for having me. Great. And also joining us for the first time is Avitsa Arsov. How are you doing, Avitsa? Hi, Chris. I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. It's good to be here. Great. So let's start with a couple of quick intros before we dive in. Simon, why don't you give us a brief overview of your career and who you are? All right. I've been working in the Oracle space as a, mainly as an Oracle DBA for about 20 years now. So I really uh, cut my teeth on Oracle version 7.x and even tinkered a little bit with the versions below that and really have been focused very much on the operational DBA space and all that time. And, you know, I like doing conferences. I like presenting. I'm very I'm a common presenter at a lot of, very active. That's what I was struggling to find there. I'm active in the presentation community and consequently I'm an Oracle Ace and I'm also a board member of the IOUG, which is the independent Oracle user group and which has their annual convention every year in Las Vegas coming up in April called Collaborate 18. Great. And Avitsa, how about you? Could you give us a brief overview of your career? Yeah, sure. So I've been working with Oracle in the past six, seven years. I started my career as a regular expression writer. So we, back then we called that position a Spider-Man position because we were scraping websites. So then I moved to some PHP and Java development, and I, I gained a lot of experience about development, different frameworks, and in general how the web technologies works. And after that, I moved to PLS school development and slowly transitioned to a DBL role. And for the past one year, I've been working in PTM. Okay. Great. Okay, gentlemen, let's start with just a general feel for the conference. How was the atmosphere this year at, at OOW? So let me jump in first. I think it was really great. Like whenever I go to Oracle Open World, it's kind of like a refresher, a reminder of how important it is, both, you know, personally for your knowledge, as well as making connections. Like, like I said in my introduction, I attend a lot of conferences, but you never quite make the same level of connections and run into as many people you know, whether they're colleagues or peers or mentors or whatever as you do at Oracle Open World. So I'm sure, Avisa, you had the same, the same experience. You know, it's, it's great to run into lots of, lots of people. Now, the conference itself, I thought was a, a pretty good one this year. I'm trying to gauge whether I thought that it felt a little bit smaller this year, I, I know Oracle published the stats that said 60,000 attendees, but I think a bit of the impression I was left with is, is maybe skewed because there's a lot of construction going on at the Moscone Convention Center in, in downtown San Francisco. So I felt like logistically it was a little bit disjointed where we had a lot of attendees at Moscone West in one side of or one end of the street, and then you went down a rather narrow corridor, which is really the Howard Street uh, covered up to Moscone South, which had another part of the event. So so that left me with kind of a weird feeling. <laughs> okay. Okay. And how about you, Avita? What are, what are your thoughts? So yeah, for me, it was first Oracle Open World. So it was quite good experience for me. First time in San Francisco, like the city. Yeah. Usually I tend to go to European conference conferences, which are quite small compared to Oracle Open World and to some European conferences like in England and in Germany. So overall, the experience was very, very good, very good atmosphere. It was also very well organized. So yeah, a lot of people. So I liked it in general. Yeah, it well. is It is a very big conference compared to most. Like even at 60,000, I was saying that might have felt smaller. It might have been more than 60 in past years. 60 is still a huge number. It is very well organized. I mean, most people are maybe not at the hotels immediately around the convention center, but they have a great busing system and they, they always have had and, and that works out really well. So it is very well organized. It's okay. And California is, is a great place to go. It's nice, sunny weather. Right, right. Was there a common theme from OOW this year? Yeah, the theme was definitely two things. Let me get this right. Automation and security, right? So they kept using those two words as the theme consistently. And I think Larry mentioned it a number of times at their keynote, uh, sorry, his various keynotes. I think he gave two. Mark Hurd also gave at least two. And definitely that was the theme going forward. That seems to be their mantra. Now, I know automation is something they've been working on for a long time. Security, 
was maybe like I'm speculating a little bit here, but it was maybe emphasized a little more strongly because of the recent security breaches that we've seen around the world with with some major companies like Equifax a couple of months ago. Right. Yeah, so so the accent was on automation and cybersecurity. So Larry was pointing out uh, Equifax a couple of times during his keynote. So yeah, I mean the the automation is has been here. Like we we had we have the the features which enables us a lot of automation in Oracle. They have been here in for a couple of years now. So we have like for data guard, we have the five start, start failover, and we have the SQL tuning advisors and etc. But now they are more focusing on eliminating the, the operational stuff. So like patching and auto tuning, and for also for cybersecurity, they are they are trying to they are implementing a machine learning in 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 18C. That's the new the new database 18C. So that with the machine learning, the database will automatically scan the events and the log files, and it will try to apply some kind of uh, predefined patterns to check for some security breaches and it will act based on, on that. Yeah, like I, I would add, the, the big push on automation was all around the, the concept of your system's gonna be more stable if you take the humans out of it, right? Now, a really funny example in Larry's primary keynote, which was on the Sunday night, he accidentally proved his point through a mistake. So he's on stage and he's using a clicker to advance through his slides and it starts to go wrong. So he turned a mistake into a joke, which really illustrated his own point, right? Which is he, he said that, oh, well, the clicker doesn't actually do clicking. It just informs a human and the human does clicking. So again, he was illustrating the point that when you get humans involved, mistakes happen, right? Whereas if it was completely autonomous and, you know, maybe the chances would be reduced. So they kept comparing. So that was an accidental analogy that he he made. And it was kind of funny that he accidentally proved his own point and pulled off a joke off the top of his head. But the analogy they kept making was to the self-driving car and saying everything's completely, right. needs to be completely autonomous. Right. Well, that's cool. Huh? And automation is something that we on the Datascape podcast have been talking about for well over since the very first episode. So I don't know, maybe Larry's a listener. I'd, but automation is affecting every aspect of the of of our lives. So so excellent, and security. That's a that's a kind of an easy one to play off of. Sometimes when there is a conference, especially a vendor conference, you can also pick up the latest threats, if you will. Did Oracle kind of leave it throw out any hints of who they're after this year or who they're threatened by? Okay, so you're talking competitive threats versus security threats? Cause, yes. Cause yeah. Both. Good. Good point. Okay. So competitive threats, there was really only one elephant in the room, and it starts with A and has a Z or Z in it, and it's called <laughs> Amazon. And it was Amazon, Amazon, Amazon were the top three competitive threats that they're going after. Like, to tell you the truth, there wasn't a word of Microsoft SQL Server mentioned anywhere. I'll just right? bit, highlight that Azure has a, both an A and a Z as well. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> I've never been very good at spelling. <laughs> no, and, and Azure was actually there. They had a booth and they were promoting running Oracle and, on Azure, so or at least some consultancy was maybe. But no, clearly all of their video screens and whether it's outside in, in what they call the plaza, and the plaza is really Howard Street, which is a street right. blocked off and carpeted and put tables and TV screens and stages and stuff. They have great big jumbo screens out there, and as they go through their slide deck, so to speak, you know, there were slides about where one-eighth of the cost or of running the same Oracle database on Amazon and where one-sixteenth of the cost, or was it 16? Yeah, I think one-sixteenth of the cost of doing the same workload using Amazon Redshift, I think, compared to the 12, sorry, 18C autonomous data warehouse. So definitely Amazon was the competitive threat. Okay. Yeah, and one of the things that Larry tried to make it very clear was that if the customers move to 18C, to the Oracle Cloud, their bill will be at least half cheaper than compared to Amazon. So that yeah, he, was kind of interesting, yeah. He likes to, to joke about it and kind of put it in a kind of a, a joking phrase where he goes, you have to make some compromises. You have to be willing to pay less. Right. So yeah. he, he used that line last year a lot, you know, okay, well you do it, but you gotta be willing to pay less. And <laughs> he used that a lot again this year. And in fact, during his main keynote, which I mentioned before, he actually tried to, or no tried, he did say that they're gonna contractually guarantee that your Oracle bill is gonna be less than half of what it would be with AWS. Now, you know, that's 
something was said in a keynote. I don't know what all the, the stars and asterisks associated with that are, but clearly AWS is still a competitive threat. And right. Well, that makes sense, right? They're, they're the largest cloud vendor there is. A lot of retailers are looking to move off AWS as soon as possible. Oracle has a presence in very large enterprise, all of it. So that would include your large uh, retailers. So, yeah, that, that would be a, a very easy target to go after. Going after Azure's business, which is growing a lot, you know, doesn't make a lot of, a lot of sense. And we know Mr. Allison's a very ambitious competitor. Uh, I had to laugh though at the uh, wh- how many people were at the Microsoft booth? <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember. I think there was more than there were at the Solaris booth and Sun booth, but that's a that's a segue <laughs> into a slightly different topic. But <laughs> yeah, I didn't count precisely. I've never been to Open World, but I've been to lots of Microsoft conferences, and there's uh, there are Oracle booths at at Inspire or WPC, and I I have to think that that's probably the punishment. Whoever's, you know, not making their quota or, you know, has annoyed someone, oh, you're going to the Oracle conference, you're going to Microsoft. Yeah, and I, like I said, I can't remember if it was officially Microsoft or whether it was a Microsoft partner or or a consultancy that was working sure. with Azure. I don't know if you remember, Avisha. So I don't want to claim that it was definitely Microsoft proper that was endorsing their booth, but there definitely was a little bit of Azure promotion there. Okay. Well, I mean, the emphasis or- Hey, there's a partnership there. I've written about it. So let's get into some technical meat here. So it looks like Oracle has announced a new version. I would have thought maybe 13D or C, but apparently we're going to 17. And I, I don't know, maybe I'll make this podcast and says 16.24 to respond in kind. But anyway, what's going on with the new version? Well, they're trying with all of their products to go to a new naming convention that's more in a line with like continuous integration and continuous development, more of those more modern agile approaches. So all of their products have been slowly moving towards a new naming convention where the name correlates to the calendar year. Now, some people might say that they wanted to avoid having Oracle database 13C, thinking 13 was an unlucky number <laughs> or something. I don't believe that at all. The enterprise manager, which kind of leads the database, enterprise manager was upgraded to 13C. Jeez, I, I think about two years ago or something, they're already on 13C release two. So I don't think it was, there's no intention to avoid the number 13 or to skip the number 13. Rather, I think they want to get into this mindset of we're going into more regular releases. And that's really the key thing. Now, I went to a keynote from a, sorry, not a keynote, a presentation from a VP specifically about the new naming convention. And there's a lot of interest from customers. But, you know, Oracle faces this problem where customers lag by eight to 10 years on adopting and upgrading. And they're trying to get over that and try to make people feel that upgrading is less of a big deal and that there's that they really want to stay current. And they're trying to make that an easier process. Right. Okay. So that's why we're so we we speculated based on some of the support notes, whether there would be version 17. And it looks like there is no 17. They're going right to 18C. You know, again, everything was an analogy to the car industry. He said, just like, you know, your whatever car you buy, a Chevrolet or BMW, you might get the 2018 model year come out in 2017 or whatever. So technically, 18C database, the first platform, which is the cloud data warehouse, the autonomous one, will come out in December 2017. But it's the 18 calendar year version, and hence 18C. Yeah, and for example, if now because they've changed the naming convention to the last two digits of the year, they have the versioning number in place now. They don't have to worry about the new version numbers. They just need to pick the new year, and that's all. And also, yeah. they, they have, they've changed the bundle patches to release updates, which are going to be released quarterly. And for each release update, they will have a release update revisions, which are like more like a agile de- delivery as needed. So that's that's also there is a change in the in the patches. Yeah, because that, that's kind of leaning into the other topic, which is security, right? So they want you to patch more and more frequently. And the reality is, as I'm sure you know, Chris, from, from your day job and the teams we work on, especially in the Oracle world, people tend to be very late on patching. And some people don't do it at all on the databases. And they're trying to overcome that mindset. They're really pushing towards you need to patch very, very quickly. And this new naming convention and model is all around trying to make people more inclined to stay up to date. Right, right. Well, then that makes sense. We have the, the, I've seen that problem in other platforms as well. And, 
when I was learning Oracle, I remember reading in several books how dangerous patching is and how yeah, just dangerous it can be in the Oracle world. So are you seeing improvements in a reduction of danger and making the patching process easier? So yeah, well, they should make sure that it's it's quite reliable because with the automation they introduced with the 18C, they will do the patching automatically. So I think that it should be quite stable now with the new release updates and we'll see how it goes because no one wants to wake up in the morning and see the database got patched automatically, but then suddenly something is wrong now. Right. They should do much better than... I think it's about balancing risk and they're trying to make the point that people are too afraid to patch because of the risk of something going wrong due to the patch. And they're trying to make the counterpoint, which is that the risk of you being exposed to something such as a security bug far outweighs that risk. Yeah. And they explained like these release updates and the current PSUs, which is patch set update, which is the quarterly patches, are really well tested and, and hardened internally as much as they can. And I always believe that the database is the center of the Oracle solar system, so to speak, and where the patches are the most reliable and the most least risk, rather. Now, when it comes to applying them, yeah, I mean, with newer versions, they've introduced new utilities like data patch instead of opatch and things like that. But the reality is they still require downtime. And even though in the keynotes, they were really pushing that you're going to be able to upgrade and patch with zero downtime, there's really not much new secret sauce behind that. You know, I talked to some people at the, the demo grounds, which they call the exchange now and you know ask specifically about that and you can with oracle kind of do a zero downtime or near zero downtime patches but you need to have certain technologies in place like rack or or data guard or or something else it's it's not it's not a general statement to say hey every oracle database out there we can now do a no downtime patch it's actually right. quite the opposite okay which is a definite achilles heel because there are lots of other platforms where you don't have to have downtime uh, use their various included, not licensed extra technologies to do that. Let's jump back to one thing there, though, that I'm a little confused about. So you guys have, have talked about tonicity, tonimity, I'm not sure, a certain amount of automatic operation in 18C, and you've mentioned cloud and automatic patching. So, and this confused me when I was researching a little bit for this conversation, the new version, is it going to be released on-prem? Like, is it going to run on Go ahead. No. So really what they say, and, and there's some, this makes sense, is they say, well, you know what, if you want to have a self-driving car, you have to buy the whole car from right. Tesla or whatever. You can't build it yourself and then make it a self-driving car. So they have the same mindset with the database. So the autonomous stuff is all based on them taking all of their existing hardware and technologies and really, you know, tightly integrating them and optimizing them. So the, the autonomous database will only run on the Oracle cloud. Now there's a catch to that. With Oracle, you can have the cloud in their data center or you can have the Oracle cloud on your premises, right? And they call that cloud at customer, if I'm getting that correctly, right? Which means they'll, you know, if you have regulatory reasons that, or whatever sure. uh, policies and say your data can't leave the building, they will put the bit box in your building, but they will manage it like a cloud service. So let's not confuse cloud with location, right? Now, that being said, it only really works on the cloud. And underneath the scenes, what they're doing is they're using all of their most advanced features. They're using Rack and Active Data Guard, and they're running it on an Exadata machine with the multi-tenant option, and they're using the zero data loss recovery appliance, which is just a mouthful to say. Like, they should have given it a, a name, like made up a, a so, better branding name. Well so help, help me understand what this means then. Is this the end of the Oracle DBA? Is, is every Oracle DBA now going to work for Oracle and manage manage it at Acme Finance, you know, if the customer, like, so they aren't going to release on-prem versions anymore? No, they are going to re release the on-premise version. So this is a multi-phased rollout. So in December, they're going to have the data warehouse cloud autonomous database. Okay. And then, correct me if I'm wrong, Avisha, I think it was June, they're going to have the OLTP version. And hold that thought because why a six month gap there is, is a good discussion. And then I think after that, so we're looking summer next year, we're gonna have the on-premises version of 18C, which you'll be able to download and run yourself, but you're not gonna get the autonomous features. The autonomous features are only 
with their cloud service. And like I said, they're using all of their advanced features and options. So you have to be willing to go to the cloud. You have to be able to get to the cloud. And I can't remember if I saw any of the price points. So I, I, I don't know how expensive that'll be to use all of their advanced features in the cloud. Okay. So yes, uh, another thing that Larry mentioned is that with the autonomous database on the cloud that Simon was talking about, is that they can also guarantee the 99.995% uptime. So that's like 30, less than 30 minutes uh, downtime per year. So that's quite challenging for them. And he also mentioned that they will put that in the SLA agreement. So it will be interesting to see that. They emphasize there's no catches to that too, Yeah. right? Um, <laughs> I have to look up what the term is here, but for my notes, but they did have a, they did have a term. Oh yeah, the NRX percent guarantee, and NRX is no ridiculous exclusions. Okay, so that thirty minutes a year is there's no exclusions for oh you know we got to bring it down to patch or to do a backup or or whatever else that adds. To that. Yeah, that, that includes planned downtime and also unplanned downtime. I saw that, and and so I guess when I read that, I thought, or what? And the or what is usually we or we give you some money back, which the other cloud providers do. So I don't know. I, it sounds like a pretty good thing to say, but when you think about it and compare it to what everybody else does, like there are four nines and lots of other platforms, and they don't meet it, and they just pay you. And and in many cases, you might lose more money than they're going to pay you back. Oh, wow, you're paying me back my dollar a minute or something, but I'm a, a busy transaction processing type of company and, and I'm making $10 a minute. Like, so <laughs> and now if they tie it to revenue loss, then I would be a big believer. Yeah. I, I don't know how those kinks will work out, but I think they still have a lot of technical things to work out too, particularly with the OLTP database. And that's why there's a six month delay and it led to this subject earlier. For example, Larry did mention about elasticity and automatic scaling, right? And saying, you know what, if the database needs more CPUs to, to have more workload, it'll automatically and elastically scale. It will scale itself out to be able to accommodate. Now, you know, me sitting in the audience right away, I go, whoa, that's a red flag. You know, some users write a bad query and boom, your, your costs go through the roof automatically. Right. But, but that's not really the case. I think there's some policies. And, and one of the things Larry did say in the evolution of the DBA is that policy management would become more of the DBA, or we shouldn't even use those letters, the data professionals mandate, and right. really meaning you're, you're putting boundaries and caps on that. So it's not that bad queries run like users or developers writing Cartesian products can just blow the system up and cause you to scale and have exorbitant costs. There will be some controls on that. But there's other things they have to work out. And when I was talking to some of the VPs and stuff, they, they really have a challenge on this. So if the like, let's say you're an accounting team and you're used to your month end report running for six hours, right? Now you have a fully autonomous database that tunes itself. So it wakes up one night and decides it's going to re-index some tables and tune itself. And, you know, the beginning of the next month comes around, you do month end and your six hour job runs in 30 minutes. What do the accountants think? Do they think, uh oh, there's something wrong with we've, we've corrupted our data and hence the report ran that much quickly yeah, yeah more quickly or do they think you know what because they're not thinking well oracle tuned itself right, right. so so they're going to have to balance the amount of control they give to to us the consumers right. are they going to notify us that hey we've added indexes and and hence things should be better or do they want to take away that visibility and those are things which i don't think they have the answers for yeah. Right. Yeah, I've seen that too uh, throughout my career. When something runs unusually fast, people get very suspicious and start going through mm -hmm. combing through the data. And yeah, Chris, going back to your original question, I uh, I personally don't think that DBAs will lose their like sort of uh, losing their jobs because automation. Oracle is trying to automate more of the operational stuff like patching, configuration, and such tasks, so that. Now the DBAs can focus more on strategic projects. Now they can focus more on better design databases and also maybe some performance tuning. So I think that it, it's a positive thing from Oracle. They are trying to automate some of the repetitive tasks. I agree with you. I'm glad you brought that up because that's that's been my, as I've researched this, as I talk to other professionals like yourself, I see the, the work that I didn't really want to do going away and the more interesting work coming being a bigger part of our job. One of the things that it, just thinking about Simon's example, 
I kind of like the idea of the database auto scaling. If someone does write a, a, a terrible query, it does make its way into production. One way, one way to look at it is, yeah, my costs went up, but if the DBA has more time to be more involved, especially production DBAs with the poorly performing queries and kind of what the users are really doing in their database, then yes. So in that scenario, the bad query makes it to production. The database scales like crazy, accommodates it, runs it in a reasonable amount of time. But the DBA's job is now, they now have more time to be involved with the database. So they see the worst poorly performing queries and they now have the time to get in there and spend a few days enhancing that query so that then they get a, a better optimized query into production and the users don't notice. I mean, that that's the way. Yeah, the, the, the key there is that w the tuning becomes re-architecting the query and working with the developers. It's right. not solving the performance problem at the back end by re-indexing or changing the block free space or, or, or anything like that. Like we, yeah. we start to move the tuning to that DBA focus level. But before we go on, like I did note down because you should know me, Chris, I take lots of good notes when, <laughs> when pushed to do so. The terms that they use to describe the things that we've talked about here is they talked about getting rid of, quote, generic tasks so that DBAs can focus on, quote, tasks specific to the business, right? And that's where they think we're going. And, and Avisa hit the nail on the head. Tasks specific to the business are architecture, planning, data modeling, security, and end-to-end right. -end service level management. And some other things like cycling back to what I talked about there, the trade-offs thing, they, you know, it's the trade-off of simplicity versus completeness with my example about the accountants and the index on an OLTP system helping improve performance. And I don't think they have the answers yet right. on that and they're still debating internally. And again, that's why OLTP 18C is, is six months or so behind. And really what it comes down to is the trade-off between you know, do you want to give the best performance or as DBAs, what do we usually look for? We look for consistent performance, right? right. I have mixed feelings on some of this though. Like, you know, thinking about, I like the month end reference that you used, you know, the, the database tunes itself for its normal operation, 29 days of the month, and then month end runs on the 30th or 31st. And so on the first, the database has now been optimized for the the activity that happened on on the 30th on the 29th and and it doesn't it has to retune for for the rest i'm i'm sure it's smarter than that but you know it's certainly a risk and it the other part that kind of scares me is a lot of junior dbas are just going to blame the database right <laughs> Okay, so is there anything else? So we've we've covered autonomity. I really should have looked that up. We've covered the automatic nature of 18C fairly well. Are there any other new features that you think the audience would be interested in? Yeah, so the also the new thing that is introduced with the ATC is the machine learning. So that's quite a big change in, in the Oracle database. So they introduced some machine learning regarding the cybersecurity and how they will handle the, the security threats. So in, in general, the in Oracle Cloud, the machine learning, the computer systems will basically scan uh, all of the logs from database logs, events, operating system logs, even application logs. And if it identifies some threats, it will act based on that. For example, if, um, if you are a US-based company and suddenly someday the CEO from logs in from Europe, from some other country, the, the machine learning patterns will detect, detect that and it will report as a threat, as a possible threat, so that you can act based on that or you, or, or probably I, I would expect for the, for, for the cloud to, to offer some policies so that you can configure them so that it will act automatically and, and act based on the, on the security tests that it detects. So I'm a bit more pessimistic about that stuff, and maybe it's because I'm a little bit more old school and simpler in my thinking. But I, you know, they did use that example of you know your CFO logs in from another continent at three in the morning, and maybe it'll automatically detect that and lock him out. I fear the false positive, right? Like it better tie into you know his calendar to work out that he's not legitimately on a business trip to you know, the Ukraine or wherever it may be. So I'm a bit more doubtful. I was more excited about just some of the more tactical, specific features coming with AT&C. And let's not forget, Chris, like we've talked a lot about autonomous database. I'm not even going to try to <laughs> conjugate it like you were. <laughs> we talk a lot about the autonomous database in the cloud, but the reality is I think a lot of the customers aren't going to be using that. They're still going to be going, downloading it and running it on their own machines on-premises. 
and that's going to happen in about middle of next year when that version is available. So there was yeah, a lot. It will take time for the customers to get used to that. So, I mean, uh, I, I see this automation and machine learning autonomously within the database as a vision, not as a present. So yeah. I expect to, for a couple of years to, to pass and order for the, for the customer, for the people in general to get used to that. So, because it's a new thing in, 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 the, in the database world. So no one has introduced autonomously before. So it, it takes time. So with the 12C release two, a couple of years ago, they announced, and it depends which presentation you go to, it's in the order of 600 to 700 new features. Now, you know, everything under the sun counts as quote, a new feature, right? But there is a lot of new great functionality with 12.2. With the new 18C, they're saying there's going to be less. There's about 100 new features, but still a lot of them are really good. And I, I get excited about the simple things. Like, for example, one that I really liked was you can have a, a schema with no, truly with no password, like a true no non-logon schema. And that kind of excites me now that, you know, an application schema that holds tables, you, you don't have to give it an impossible password or something like that. Little things like that. Now, that may not have too much of a business impact. But other things that, that are maybe more progressive is there was new REST APIs, there's new ways of packaging and downloading the software and installing from an RPM, which is a big concept in the Oracle world because installing an Oracle database is a lot of complicated steps compared to an RPM install. Right. So there's more automation through REST APIs, things like that, more Docker support, like there already is Docker support. They were talking about officially having rack Docker support. and you know, if you're listening to this, you're probably thinking, well, Oracle's a product for the huge enterprise customers that have really deep pockets. And I thought one interesting takeaway I got, and I saw a lot of excitement on Twitter about, is Oracle XE, which is their free version, similar to SQL Server XE, is still going to exist. And there is going to be an Oracle XE 18C and 19C and so forth. The differences are that it's constrained on the number of resources and i can't remember the specifics we'd have to look it up like how much memory or disk you can sure. you can allocate but the nice thing is it's coming every year and it's going to have most of the enterprise edition features the two catches are the cons resource constraints like i mentioned and that you're not getting patches but we talked about this on the last podcast chris is i think if you're a student if you're just doing r d or you're a developer and you just want to work things out, they were actually making that point. You no longer have to develop on some other inferior platform and then port your application to Oracle once it gets to the enterprise grade. You can now use XE and develop using the Oracle-based database right from scratch. Yeah, I mean, uh, Simon mentioned the small features. The one that I like a lot is the, the inline external tables. Now with 18C, you can write inline external tables. Before that, you had to write to create a table actually with the DDL command, define the external table and then then query it, query from the table and now you can do it in, in select. So that's that's quite good. And I mean it's good also for developers. They for example if you in your company the developers are restricted from running DDL commands, they can do it in SQL. So they don't have to go to the DBA, ask for permission and, and et cetera, et cetera. So that's quite good. Feature. That's very handy. that's a feature that I've used in other platforms a lot over the years. It, just going back to what Simon was talking about with the the free small version. I mean, they have to do that. Otherwise, someone's going to go use Postgres, and and you know where things start, they tend to to stay. So it's a defensive move, or in some cases, that allows you to uh, allows them to kind of secure space. Let me just go back to the 18C and architecture and versions for two minutes. First of all, I thought it was interesting that they still support the legacy mode, the non-container database in 18C. And I think there was a good technical reason for that. Uh, they don't have true data guard at the pluggable database level yet. And if you remember, pluggable database was the big concept at Oracle Open World 2012. You know, that's where they pushed that because I was new with 12C. So in 18C at least, they're not forcing you into pluggable database architecture yet. They still advise you go go to it. And maybe Avisa, you you remember the technical reason behind that? I, I think at one point in the week I was saying, oh yeah, that's the technical reason why they can't force you into it, but I've forgotten it right now. I'm, and, yeah. I'm not sure, but I think that the data guard restriction is that's one of the reasons probably. Yeah, maybe it was the data guard restriction that I was thinking of. So that's one one thing is they're not forcing that yet, but they probably will 
in the future. And the other thing too, is we talked at the beginning of this discussion about upgrades and people keeping current. They also like, you know how Ubuntu has long, LTS, long-term right. stability or whatever it's called. They're gonna have the same concept with Oracle too. And I think 19C is the first one that is long-term release or LTR or LTS or whatever, long-term support maybe it is. Yeah, it is support. So I, even though they're trying to fix a problem and get people to upgrade more regularly, I still in the back of my mind think people are going to say, oh, well, I'm going to wait for 19C to come out because it's long-term support, and then I can sit on it for longer. So how successful this new mantra will be is still a little bit questionable. Well, if you see the, the 18, 18C and I think even the 19C releases will fall under the umbrella of uh, Database 12, the two life, lifetime support. So as if they were like 20, uh, 12.202 or 12.203 versions of the Oracle database. Yes, that's right. So, that's right. But 19C will get an extended, um, paid extended support lifecycle. So it will outlive Oracle 20. Yeah. Yep. And then who knows, like in their slide, which was an example, in their slide they were saying maybe Oracle 23 is the next one with, that has long-term support. And, and again, that's not a quote or a product direction. That was just pure example. So I still think we're going to fall into the same trap, probably, if people don't want to upgrade every year and they'll wait, unless security can push them into doing it. Right. And I've seen that on other platforms. People, people are people and other pla I've seen it on other platforms. And I, I agree with the Well, I'm not sure that Oracle is doing this, but one of the things that I'm seeing and, and I'm actually a big fan of is micro releases, lots and lots of micro releases to apply to the databases. And if it did it automatically or you could specify and if it, if it got a good reputation, it could take hold. Like if, imagine one feature at a time or a very small number of features, but all the time were applied. That way, if the new feature applied, created a performance problem, you know, you could code your way or work your way out of it rather than a large release takes all weekend, lots goes wrong, lots is changed, lots to wrestle with, more bite-sized chunks might be a better incentive. And the cost of, of upgrading from one major version to the next major version, it, you know, it triggers all this extra testing, all this extra diligence, which is right. I mean, we as DBAs, we mitigate risk. It's a big part of our job. So I don't know. I, I see it as not, not, not a bad idea. But my point is, absolutely. I mean, just because the Oracle is changing the release cadence or the naming convention isn't going to change human and businesses' behavior. They're going to, like you said, they're they're going to drag their feet into certain mm -hmm. into major version upgrades and a lot of times yeah. the customers are at the mercy of their vendors right and a lot of this stuff is is packaged monolithic apps that were written 20 years ago and those vendors are going to drag their heels because now they have to do their full testing against 18c and 19c and 20c and and so forth and that's going to be a very slow process that always is so we're putting a lot more or oracle's putting a lot more burden on them to keep recertifying their applications because when you jump from 18 to 19 you can expect optimizer enhancements one thing that they did say specifically is that the release updates which are the quarterly patches will by default have optimization changes turned off right so that you can apply them with more stability and then to your point about the continuous patching or continuous integration that's what the new release update revisions is supposed to give is more continuous enhancements without optimization changes. But my point there is still that we're going to be at the mercy of vendors. Vendors are going to drag their heels and, and it's going to be more work for them. And probably that might be a limiting factor. And there's all other little things too, right? Like I talked to the education people saying, well, now if you're an Oracle certified professional, that means that every single year there's going to be a new OCP test. And if it takes them six months to put out the books and then you got to get the books, study the books or the courses and write the tests. I mean, there's little things like that that should be different. Personally, I don't think that there will be uh, new certifications each year, but probably they will, they will think of something else. Oh, I, I don't agree. I think there will uh, be new certifications I, I, each year. I think uh, they're doing it. In, like yeah, I think in the other think... tracks like the, the application stack where they have more frequent releases. I think they're already there. Yeah, but that's kind of personally, I don't like because I've been in certification for, for the past years and I, I've done a lot of certification from Oracle. And 
I don't expect like for for example, take the OCM. So the OCM takes quite a lot of time for to, yeah. to prepare and to analyze it and everything. For example, for me, it took me nine months to prepare for the 11G OCM, and I don't expect like to spend nine months per year each year just to prepare for a new yeah. version for OCM. So right. they should address that. Like they should take different approach to that. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, they didn't have answers to it when I talked to them in the exchange because I did ask specifically about that. But you're right. And I'm not an OCM, but I am an OCP on multiple levels. And yeah, even an OCP at the upgrade level, I mean, it's a lot of work. It's a couple months of preparing and studying. And the tests are hard, especially recently. So, yeah, so many features, so many new things. It's, yeah. it's hard. I mean, even, even, even for the junior DBS, for the people who are getting now, in, you know, who are new in the Oracle world, for them, learning new stuff, it's quite difficult. Yeah, because bottom line so is there's a lot of things to be worked out here. Well, there is, but two things that come to mind as I listen to you guys discuss this. One is, you know, for those afraid for their jobs in the cloud, I just heard a lot more work come up. And, and it sounds like pretty interesting work to do. So, you know, it's further, you know, cannon fodder for the point that the cloud certainly does kind of, take away some jobs, but it's creating, I'm thinking almost two to one here for some of, of that stuff. And and the second point that I, I've never been a big believer in certain vendors certifications because they're just memorizing flashcards. But if certification changes the point of demonstrable ability to learn and troubleshoot, then I'm on board. And once you do that, you don't have to tie it to a version, you can bundle it to a number of versions which is interesting because then it come, becomes more of a like comparable to a technical college diploma than an actual version certification. So, yeah, it's an interesting conundrum. Yeah, for, I think that like for now for the OCM exam is applicable for 12 version. So it's not specific for 12.1 or 12.2. I think they have changed the OCP to be specific to a version. Yeah. yeah. For example, the OCM is still applicable for, there is no OCM for 12.2. Maybe they've changed the questions in the exam and the tasks, but it's also applicable for 12 right. in general. Right, yeah. and, and, and kudos to Oracle for making the OCM difficult and valuable for employers to look for. I think that's, I think that's, yeah, it's not a joke. It's quite difficult and stressful, yeah. <laughs> yeah, as it should be. If you're going to have master, engineer, senior, things like those uh, in your certification, you know, it, it needs to be more about just memorizing flashcards in a multiple guess uh, test. Yes, yeah, true. I'd like to go back to the security thing. Like they, they really did promote security as the other major, major theme of the week, right? Obviously, autonomous database was, was the key one, but like we've discussed, I think a lot of clients that's not going to apply to. 18C was great and new, but the security was a, a big push, right? So Mark Heard talked about meeting with a major bank, and they said that it only took them six months to apply a round of patches, and he thought that was good. He talked about, I think it was the Equifax Apache Struts exposure was, sorry, four days. It was breached four days after the patch was released. So that was the other huge, huge theme was security. And it's not just patching really quickly, but there was a lot of, at the very tactical level, there was a lot of talk right from Larry's presentation onwards about a tool called the Database Security Assessment Tool. And that's one that I've used for about a year, maybe a year and a half. And I find in my travels that hardly anybody knows about this tool. And basically, you know, Oracle provides a bunch of support tools and they recently added one that was specifically around doing like a security health check. So there was a lot of talk throughout the week about this tool. And it's kind of like it snuck in under the radar a year and a half ago. But now they're really trying to promote it. In, and I felt that maybe that was a last minute addition that due to Equifax and things like that, they were elevated the statute of this. But they were definitely pushing that a lot. However, I didn't get a chance to really see what was new in the tool. I know there were some sessions on it, but I didn't get to attend. Okay. Well, security is, you know, it makes a lot of sense, especially on the heels of, I don't know if it's the worst breach ever, but a major breach affecting, you know, many, many Americans and some Canadians. So it, it seems like a natural thing. And it's something we all have to focus, you know, make a major part of our focus. Who knows what's going to shake out of, of that. So I wholeheartedly endorse their interest in, in making that a priority. And I hope that that, that continues. I think the problem they have is not an Oracle problem, but it's an industry problem, is that you can provide a great tool that generates a report that shows your exposure, or you can have consultants like us evaluate and show your risk and your weak points. 
what customers are faced with is they want to get that report back and they want it to be clean, right? If there's, uh, you know, deficiencies, everyone's too scared to execute on them. So I find personally that I think security assessment is something that people are very interested in and the concept of. Yeah. but then are too afraid to take any action. And there's a lot lack of execution in that. And again, that's why they're saying, you know what, we got to take control of everything, including patching and make the fully autonomous database. Completely. Yeah, I mean, security is quite important topic. And a lot of people are not paying a lot of attention. We didn't mention, but with Simon, we presented on this Oracle for work about securing your monitoring and database scripts. And it was, it was interesting to see how many people are using, are still using like, passwords in plain text files yeah. and they're writing a password on the command line which can be traced so they're not using encryption at all so it's 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 a interesting topic uh, we should address that more more seriously than than we do now well that's a room for improvement you know. it, it sounds like you just seeded a future podcast and I'd, I'd love to have you back and concentrate on that for you know 30 to 60 minutes and yeah, it is astounding. You know, in my experience working in the financial world, I, I had seen several customers and I, who were so risk adverse in, in adopting new versions, even minor versions, that they created far more risk than database or, or other software bugs by their reluctance to adopt the um, current. I think we've covered this fairly well. Let's wrap this up. Any final thoughts, Evita? Yeah, I mean, so autonomous database, automation, security, machine learning, it's all new new things and new features. It's a new vision, so it will take time. I expect at least three to five years for for the customers, for the people to get used to that. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to that, and I'm looking forward to the agency. So we'll see how it goes. Hopefully yeah. it will satisfy the Larry promises that it will be really automatic database we'll see how it goes <laughs> and how about you simon i'm just excited to see 18c because i think it's still an incredibly powerful database right like i mean the oracle database can do everything under the sun it's it's incredible how much it can do if you have enterprise edition and the right licenses but i'd like to close with what i thought was a funny thing which <laughs> you might want to edit out chris you can choose but when <laughs> The new Moscone Center South, we entered in through the new Moscone Center, which I think was having one of the grand openings. The mayor of San Francisco was there and stuff like that. We entered through it and then we went to the hallway, the conference rooms in the back, which were on the old, what's left of the old building. But anyway, my funny story is about the restrooms. Going down to the restrooms in the new Moscone Center on all the urinals, there is a sticker or a sign that says, Reclaimed water, do not drink. So I just thought that was <laughs> hilarious that he had to give a warning because if there was no sticker on it. I don't know how many people are inclined to drink from there when there's water fountains outside, but I thought that was funny. <laughs> Fair on enough. Every, every single <laughs> urinal, do not drink. Well, it's important. Instructions are um, important. only do, only do not drink because they're using reclaimed water. Right? <laughs> yeah, as if that's the only reason. Good good point. Well, maybe yeah. they're that clean. Maybe. All right. All right. Well, it on a <laughs> yeah, good good one. All right. Well, so normally we close the podcast with with the lightning round. We do have both two guests this time. And if you want to hear Simon's lightning round, you can check out episode nine where I get a longer intro from Simon as well as his closing lightning round so today you could also contact you if they're still using oracle 9 as well, <laughs> well we, we can help with that. yeah absolutely <laughs> just contact me directly we'll we'll help you out we'll help <laughs> so Vita, today we're going to pick on you for the lightning round and this is a part <laughs> where i ask you a series of questions to help us get to know you and your work style just a little bit better and you answer with the first thing that comes to mind and it should be a fairly short answer are you game yep so can you name a project that you're the most proud of yeah, sure. So it was a couple of years ago, we had to migrate from 10G to 11G for one insurance company. And as you can usually you can think of it, it was a 24-7 system, which had to be available all the time. And for that, we used a logical standby to first we created a physical standby, then change it to logical standby, did the upgrade, and then we did the switch over. So that was quite interesting because when the client tried to use the database upgrade tool from Oracle, it took them like 14 days. And we did it in less than a couple of minutes on time. So that was quite challenging and quite interesting. Oh, definitely. Could you name a book that has had a significant impact on your career? Yeah, I can I can say about transaction processing, concepts and techniques. It's from Jean Grey and Andreas Reuter. 
it's quite old book from 19th year from 19th and it's, it's a very very good book it's addressed the the computer science and the concepts of transaction processing great and folks you can find a link to that book in the show notes at pythian.com standing or sitting desk sitting desk okay laptop or desktop a laptop definitely Okay. And is that laptop a Mac, a PC, a Linux box? It's a Mac. <laughs> okay. Are you an iPhone, Android, or maybe a Windows phone type of person? I was in a Windows phone type of person, but <laughs> for the last two or three years, I, I switched to iPhone. Yeah. Okay. And on that iPhone, can you suggest the best tool or app that you use on a daily basis? I use Twitter for social media a lot. Okay. And Avica, if people want to know more about you, where can they find you, follow you, read what you've written? They can find me on LinkedIn, on Twitter. It's like my first name, last name, Ivica Arso. They can look for, for me. And I also have my, my website, my blog, where I'm blogging. It's earsof.com. First letter of the first name and the last name. Okay. And folks, again, those links also will be in the show notes for you to check out. And Simon, if people are interested, let's give them the shortcut. Where can they find you? I'd like to say they can find both of us in person at the UK Oracle User Group, UKOUG, in Birmingham, England, coming up in December. Okay. I think it's December 5th or 6th. So I'd encourage people, if you listen to this and if you're going to that event, to come find us. We'll both be presenting there or look for the guys in the Pythian t-shirts and introduce yourself. It'd be great to meet in person. Well, let's give the audience a teaser. What are the two topics that you, or one or two, to- whatever topics that you guys will be presenting on? Simon, you want to go first? Or? Yeah, sure. I have two. I'm going to be, one is a, is an old popular presentation, which is modernizing some of your DBA practices and scripts using the Oracle database scheduler. And the second one is a brand new one, which is on the topic, kind of similar to what uh, Avisa mentioned in his, his successful project story, which is about complex logical cross Indian migrations, which is the kind of stuff that I do really enjoy. Okay. And Avica, what are you? what will you be presenting on? Yeah, so for me, it will be first time at UK this year, and I will be presenting about parallel execution. Actually, about the topic is parallel execution with Oracle Database 12C, and it will be a masterclass. It will be, I think, something around 100 minutes and 10 minutes, uh, near two hours. So it will be quite a long presentation for me. Okay, so in-depth, good stuff. Well, I hope it goes well for for both of you guys. That's all the time we have for today, folks. The biggest compliment you can give us is by rating us on iTunes with a review or telling a friend where to find us. And we love feedback. And you can give that feedback at datascapepodcast at gmail.com. Have a great day in the Datascape. Navigating the Datascape.